Welcome to the Greener Way podcast, a show about people, planet, and purpose, and how investors and corporate leaders push forward in a complex world. Welcome to the Greener Way. My name is Rosemary Petrus, Senior Journalist for FS Sustainability. Today, we're taking a deep dive into the world of blue finance. To explore this topic, I'm speaking with Lucy Holmes, Senior Director of Blue Finance for WWF US Oceans Markets and Finance. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thanks, Rose. Good to be here. Tell us about your role. Yeah. So as you said, I am um, with WWF US in the Oceans team and in our specific team, which is called Ocean Markets and Finance Team. Um, I'm a senior director of Blue Finance, um, which I hope will explain a little bit in in due course, where I lead um, our portfolio of work around ocean-related finance, the broad goal of which is to support the redirection of mainstream finance away from activities that are harmful to the ocean towards uh, an ocean-based economy that supports a healthy ocean for people, planet, peace, and prosperity. Um, And I've been there for around six years, just over six years, um, and always in slightly different roles, but always at the intersection of markets and finance, sustainability and and ocean related issues. Okay, so can you tell us a bit more about what exactly Blue Finance is? Yeah, sure. So Blue Finance is um, in the same way we talk about green finance, um, where we're referring to broadly speaking, um, sustainability um, and the addition of environmental and social and governance um, thinking and and metrics into financial decision-making and trying to really push capital markets towards a more sustainable approach. The green refers to typically a uh, terrestrial-based economy, but many uh, people, including um, the UN in 2012 and And those countries, particularly island states, felt like that wasn't an accurate description of their economies, given that they were actually quite small island states, but had very large ocean economies. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the term blue came in really as a corollary to green to mean an economy that is based on economic activities that are in or around ocean seas and um, Mm -hmm. uh, coastlines. So blue finance is basically the financing that goes into that blue economy. How are ocean-related ESG metrics then incorporated into that financial decision-making? Yeah, so I think one thing to note is that, obviously, from you know, for the, the term blue, it doesn't necessarily mean um, sustainable. And actually, um, from mm-hmm. a WWF standpoint, uh, alongside many other partners, including the World Bank, have defined a sustainable blue economy as one that provides social and economic benefits today and tomorrow, so for current and future generations, one that restores, protects, and maintains uh, the diversity of marine ecosystems, and one that's based on clean technologies, renewable energy, and circular circular material flows. So what's really important when we're thinking about ocean ESG is that that, that vision, if you like, is actually incorporated into how financial decision-making is supporting the sectors and companies that make up the current blue economy to make sure it's really trying to finance that transition towards a sustainable blue economy. Mm -hmm. So in that context, it's just part of the ESG matrix of of decision-making that's now fairly mainstream. 
-hmm. but with a focus on those sectors such as seafood, for example, both wild capture fisheries and aquaculture, um, Mm -hmm. shipping, port development, coastal tourism or coastal development more broadly, to make sure that those risks and impacts that those sectors can have are actually um, thought about and uh, minimized or um, mitigated in the context of finance. And when we're talking about the work that WWF is doing, how do you go about engaging financial markets on this topic? Are there any challenges and what are the opportunities in this space? Yes, so there are challenges, but there is also many opportunities. So when we're thinking about um, engaging financial institutions, and and by that I I predominantly mean um, banks and investors, so asset Mm -hmm. managers and asset owners, for example, less so the insurance companies, but they're obviously really critical stakeholders as well. Mm-hmm. We're trying to land a couple of key messages. Um, the first one is that the ocean is actually relevant to them um, as a business, as a financial institution. There are two sort of t- statistics that we try to um, articulate why the oceans matter. So, for example, in 2015, WWF put out a report that said that the ocean economy was equivalent to the world's seventh largest economy that was worth around 24 trillion US dollars in asset mm-hmm. value, producing benefits of around two and a half trillion US dollars every wow. year. So it's not insignificant as an economic mm-hmm. um, driver of growth and supporting livelihoods, food security, but also that it's critical in the fight against both climate change, but also um, really important in the nature and biodiversity space as well. So that's really the first thing is that oceans matter, Mm -hmm. but also that the current state of the ocean, so ocean health, is in decline. And we can see that using all the different indicators of health, um, which very sadly, you know, is increasing with um, the onset of pollution and and climate impacts as well, Mm -hmm. as well as natural resource decline. So actually that value, which is really intrinsic to a sustainable ocean economy, Um, is at risk. Um, And so we try and translate that for investors and banks into the context that they're looking at, which is the value of those assets or revenues that companies um, obviously rely on. Mm -hmm. And we did a report that found, for example, that over two thirds of listed companies globally are in some way exposed to to that ocean health decline and therefore that rally at risk um, with over eight and a half trillion dollars at risk over the next decade Mm -hmm. or so. But also try to say that that number radically decreases. So there's much more value kept in the system if we can adopt a sustainable development pathway. And so the mm-hmm. third message is really that there, is, there are things that banks and investors can be doing, that they can be doing today, and that they can be um, doing with us and, and other partners. And that, re- that includes, for example, really having very robust sector specific policies that really articulate how they're going to lend or invest in these sectors, Mm -hmm. again, so that they're really avoiding the worst of the worst in terms of both risks and impacts, that they are really working to understand how companies can transition, what that transformation pathway looks like, as well Mm -hmm. as actively looking for those companies um, or projects that are actually aligning themselves with a future um, healthy ocean and a sustainable blue economy. Mm-hmm. So those are a couple of the ways that we try and engage financial institutions. And there's much more in there, of course, that maybe we can unpack. 
Wow, that is a huge amount of capital involved in this sector. So WWF's ocean strategy, what is that? And what are some examples of uh, some innovative financial mechanisms that have been successful in supporting these goals? Yeah, so our WF Ocean strategy as a whole, and, and it's important to say actually that when we're thinking about the value of the work we do as the as the finance team is in support of those overarching conservation goals mm-hmm. that actually really um, impact people and nature on the ground and in the water. So for, on innovative finance, for example, we really target... Um, trying to create blended finance structures that bring in mm-hmm. the different risk appetites associated with the philanthropic capital that we normally rely on for our conservation work, increasingly the public purse as well, both bilaterally and multilaterally. But that we're using that to really try to leverage in private capital, which is where we know the billions and trillions reside and where we really mm-hmm. need to try and tap into that and bring that closer to the actual conservation solutions that we no, are critical on the ground. And maybe I'll just talk about a couple of examples. So something we launched earlier this year, for example, on fisheries, which is a critical part of our ocean strategy to restore the health of our global fisheries, which we know are uh, in decline with over two thirds of fish stocks already overexploited mm, or wow. at their maximum capacity. So we really need to start restoring um, and improving um, global fish stocks towards sustainability not just for biodiversity, but also for the communities that depend on them mm-hmm. and the businesses that depend on them. And that's a really critical kind of switch of mindset to think this is not a conservation-only objective. This is something that the businesses, you know, multi-billion dollar industries rely on these fisheries to be healthy now and in the future. Mm-hmm. So we we leverage that to create a fishery improvement fund where we really try to bring in those companies that um, buy from these fisheries um, and capital providers that are able to pay for the upfront costs of those transition activities mm-hmm. that will help those fisheries become more sustainable um, and bring that together into a structure with partners or working with a, a really innovative um, fund manager in the UK called Finance Earth, who are specifically set up and designed to try and solve some of these issues using finance as a key lever. So that's one example of um, an innovative mechanism. And just one other I'll note is that, as you'll know, likely um, the world agreed that we need to protect both the land and the sea um, through the Global Biodiversity Framework, which was agreed in November last year. Mm -hmm. And so we also need to understand how we can finance the protection of our oceans. Mm -hmm. And we really need to be able to leverage large sums of money in the millions, hundreds of millions rather, of dollars. Mm-hmm. And for that, we need to really create the finance and funding structures that can, as I said, bring in philanthropic capital, but also public and private um, capital to bear mm-hmm. in a structure that actually um, is uh, long term. So we're not just working on an ad hoc basis to try to resource these really critical outcomes. And so, talking about legislative changes, how do you right. see? the landscape of blue finance evolving globally, particularly in regards to legislative changes or any specific trends coming up in the future? Yeah, great, great question. So I think there are a couple of things. First of all, I'd say the ocean is is typically quite left behind. (laughs) So that's Mm -hmm. why we're 
always trying to work to um, you know, push forward the agenda and, and really make that case as to why oceans matter, as I mentioned earlier. And we do yeah. see that there is growing interest in this space, and particularly with the advent of a bigger nature and biodiversity agenda. We know that um, climate's critical for oceans, ocean health as well, and for the health of the ecosystems. So both the, the increasing focus on climate with recent developments at COP, for example, as well as um, recent developments and more high-level support for the nature and biodiversity agenda, we do see that oceans are slowly beginning to come into the light, as it were. Mm -hmm. And so it's not really a standalone issue. It's really part of these bigger agendas, but making sure it stays on those agendas. And I think, you know, for example, the task force on nature-related financial disclosure, for example, is really critical because that highlights, for example, that sectors like seafood are actually um, a very critical nature-related commodity that companies ought to really disclose on. And whilst Mm -hmm. that is a voluntary initiative, we do hope that at some point over time, like the TCFD, certain countries or bodies will adopt that in a mandatory way in some fashion. And one other thing, I just, I think just looking at the world, there's like like different, obviously we're at different stages in Europe. There's a lot of legislation at the moment really around disclosure Mm -hmm. um, and transparency. And that will, you know, has a large impact on ocean related sectors, but obviously sectors in in all different um, spheres Mm -hmm. will need to really start to understand the risks and the impacts that they have and are exposed to and start to report on those. So that's Mm -hmm. something that I think will could be a a game changer in terms of how much information we have to work with. And um, speaking about reporting, how do you measure impact in blue finance initiatives and what role does effective reporting play in encouraging more widespread adoption of sustainable financial practices in the blue economy? Yeah, so there's no, I guess there's no universal way to measure impact in blue finance initiatives because they are quite different in nature. But um, mm-hmm. WWF and and um, and others will, we have a very robust monitoring and evaluation system of all of our conservation work. And so anything that we do that touches down in our priority seascapes, for example, will have a framework that can measure particular impacts at a seascape level. But we also need mm-hmm. to have metrics that can um, really monitor and measure impacts at a, a more global level. So those two things can work in tandem, I think. And at a seascape level, we might be able to measure really kind of concrete outcomes, um, such as increase in fish stocks, for example, mangrove mm-hmm. cover, if the finance mechanism is targeting that particular area, or you know livelihoods in, um, that are dependent on these resources, um, how they're improving over time. Mm-hmm. So really tangible impacts. Um, yeah. Whereas, for example, at a global level, we might be able to measure things like number of target investors or banks that have in place a robust sector policy, for example, mm-hmm. um, or in a number of companies in the real economy that are making and implementing commitments to mm-hmm. certain sustainability issues, and that that has been influenced by potentially their lenders or investors, which we know is increasingly the case. So those are things we can sort of tangibly measure. But in terms of your question about what does effective reporting play, I mean, if we're talking about corporates, certainly companies, disclosure and 
transparency, you know, as as I mentioned, is really the watchword of the moment, and it's only going to increase the mm-hmm. the requirements there. But it really is fundamental, I think, maybe for two reasons. One is to understand where we are in terms mm-hmm. of meeting certain global goals and targets. And secondly, again, sort of referring back to the finance sector so that they can really understand what type um, of risk and how high uh, the risks are that they are exposed to in, in a nature yeah. or climate context. So yeah. I think that's that's really important. And I guess clearly, you know, of the moment and the, the twin goals of initiatives like the Science-Based Targets for Nature initiative, for example, and the Task Force mm-hmm. on Nature-Related Financial Disclosure. I'm trying not to use acronyms, but that does mean using <laughs> many more words. It's a um, bit of an alphabet soup sometimes. It right? is an alphabet soup, exactly. So yes, yeah, so to set global goals and targets, but then also be able to measure um, where we are against them is obviously really fundamental. What steps do you believe are crucial for further mainstreaming sustainable practices in the finance industry, especially in the context of the blue economy? Yeah, so again, I think you know separating the two, so what are the critical steps for mainstreaming and, and with respect to the blue economy, I think they are sometimes hard to separate, but just that mm-hmm. I think we really need to be continuing to make the case as to why oceans are critical. Um, because they really are critical. And I think that is, you know, it is understated sometimes. And, you know, I think in terms of what the finance sector has been doing, you know, I've mentioned a couple of the levers that can be pulled, but I think one thing that we think is quite powerful and and perhaps we'll we'll see an increase in in an oceans context is where the finance sector is able to come together around certain specific issues. Mm-hmm. through, for example, collaborative or collective engagement. So mm-hmm. just to give you a very quick example, we actually launched something with um, a couple of key partners, such as the UNEPFI Sustainable Blue Finance Initiative with the Fair Collar Initiative in, based in the UK, the World mm-hmm. Benchmarking Alliance and Planet Tracker to mm-hmm. bring um, over 30 investors together in a focused engagement with target companies around traceability in sustainable uh, in seafood supply chains. So that's a really interesting and uh, we think very targeted approach to actually really go into very tangible uh, and meaningful efforts where instead of working on an ad hoc one-to-one basis, you can actually really sort of create a cohesive and coherent set of asks to two yeah. companies. Yeah. I think there's a lot more that we could be doing there, for example. Today, we've been hearing from Lucy Holmes, Senior Director of Blue Finance for WWF US Oceans Markets and Finance. Thank you so much for joining us today all the way from London, Lucy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Rosemary Petrus. Thank you for tuning in to The Green Away. Thanks for listening to the Greener Way podcast. If you like today's show, remember to rate and review us on your podcast platform and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Any feedback? Contact us on podcast at fssustainability.com.au. I'm Rachel Allenbackis. The Greener Way podcast is a product of FS Sustainability, a show about people, the planet, and investing in our collective future. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. The Greener Way podcast gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by discussing numerous financial sustainable options and our featured guests. It is not intended as a substitute for professional, legal, or tax advice. 
The hosts of The Greener Way are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. FS Sustainability operates under an Australian Financial Service License and the exemption made available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect to any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the FS Sustainability website, fssustainability.com.au.